Hi, this is Dave Gershman, and you are back at the Reselect Music Podcast. For this episode, Eric and I took a look at Elton John, um, a performer who has a very extensive discography, way bigger than we could possibly have tackled in one episode. We decided to focus on what people would generally consider his classic years, and that would be uh, his first uh, eight albums or so. Everything up through Blue Moves, and uh, starting with his self-titled Elton John album, we did consider looking listening to uh, his very, very first one that didn't really get uh, released in the United States until he was already popular. Uh, they released it in England, but it only got a later release here. We decided that we already had too much to listen to, so uh, we, we limited, we, we snipped that one out. And, uh, and didn't really focus on it at all. So without further ado, here's Eric and I discussing Elton John. Well, we were just talking about... Well, we have to introduce the show. Well, you know, we'll get to that. Oh, oh yeah, well, we'll come... Yeah. Well, it's like movies that they start out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then they show you the title. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was our professional instinct to <laughs> Hey, welcome to Reselect We've just been chatting a little bit about Elton John Elton John and a bunch of his albums And how sometimes they add deluxe Or add extra songs to the deluxe versions of them When you, when you purchase them electronically through iTunes or elsewhere And it just, just disturbs the flow yeah. of the original artistic intent yeah. Integrity for instance, um, I was just reviewing the, the Tumbleweed album. Yes, Tumbleweed Connection. Tumbleweed Connection album. And uh, Madman Across the Water is added on the deluxe track of that. When yes. There's Madman on the Water. It has its own album. I mean, why are you doing right, that? What's right. up with that? I mean, that makes sense because that song and a couple of the other songs from Madman Across the Water were actually recorded for the sessions of Tumbleweed Connection. That's why it's on there. Because that's that's a different version of it. Oh, that's a history that uh, yeah, so. I didn't know. Well, you can just just by listening to it closely, you can re- you recognize that it's a different mix and different hmm. slightly different instrumentation. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Right. So uh, what you're hearing there, I think, is the version they recorded for Tumbleweed Connection or during those sessions, and then decided not to use it, and they ended up redoing it for. No, oh, it turned out to be the Man Man Across the Water album. So. Gotcha. So I've seen other artists do that sort of thing too, but but uh, yeah, I, I just. The whole bonus track thing is mixed bag. You know, uh, as I was saying to Dave here, by the way, my name's Eric. This is Dave. I'm Dave. And uh, what, what I was saying to Dave a second ago is, you know, we're old guys, and we've been listening to these albums for years. Relatively speaking. Relatively speaking. Young at heart. We've been listening to these albums for years, and we have a certain expectation of what song is next and what songs are on there. And if you start throwing other songs on there, it's... It makes us angry. <laughs> That's right. We get really pissed off. It's just rude. Well, you know, at least most artists don't do the thing that I was telling you about with XTC, where they put it in the middle. Because if I know an album really well, and at the end of each song, in my head, I hear the next one. Does that happen? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So you you almost, your brain always, always. Already starts thinking about yeah the next song and the anticipation yeah and because some songs just yeah you just get used to a certain order the songs yeah. playing and there's some satisfaction in that yeah oh yeah, yeah. Um, so we uh, have listened this past week 
And it was only a week, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we, we have listened to a lot of Elton John this week. Digging it. We were going to listen to 11 albums originally. We, uh, for everything from his very first album, Empty Sky, which, I should point out, wasn't released in America until 1975, after he was already a megastar. Yeah. And, uh, Did it still flop then here in the U.S.? I, I, it probably sold better than it would have if, <laughs> yeah. if it had been released at the original time. Yeah, and it's unkind to say flop. It just didn't do well. Well, right. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't think it was expected that it would be fantastic. Because I mean, obviously the sound isn't what people by then had expected from Elton John. Yeah. Uh, we were going to listen to that as well, but it almost doesn't really count in the way that everything else on his uh, discography does, beginning with the album called Elton John. Mm -hmm. That's where I think his sound really becomes, or starts to become what we are more familiar with. I think he wasn't quite, hadn't quite really pulled together a... There there was that one song on there, the Skyline Pigeon or something like that. Was that the name of it? Yeah. You know, it got uh, some pretty good acclaim and actually listening to it, it, it's actually a pretty nice song. Yeah, and he actually re-recorded that one for Mm. a later album, so... Or I think it ended up being a B-side or something like that. The other album we ended up... Removing was Blue Mo- Blue Moves. Mm-hmm. His nineteen was it seventy five is yeah. the last one of his classic era, and that album itself isn't really so classic. It's there it was a flop. I mean, I think basically it. Yeah, there, there was uh, one song that got uh, quite a bit of play. That sorry, sorry seems, seems yeah, yeah. I remember that one being on the radio a lot. But yeah. aside from that, there's it's it's a very odd album. Actually, it was better than I was going to expect. Yeah. I found it like musically it had some really interesting like orchestration and stuff it seemed more like the soundtrack to a, a movie or something it, yeah you're right about that there yeah. was a lot of orchestration like, like yeah. you said and I, I struggled with that one really yeah I really only listened to it one time all the way yeah. through and I it was then I decided that this doesn't really fit the, the mold of the rest of what we were looking at so right. just let's go through the list of what we are going to be talking about alright yeah so we're starting with uh, Elton John and, and and I didn't write down the years on here. Yeah, let me, let me, let me, the years let me came pull out, out the, uh, the old music Just guide here. Just numbers are interesting. Yes. Okay, but uh, so Elton John, uh, the, the name of the album Elton John, came out in what, 1970? 1970, yes. And the, oh, it, I'll point out the, the nine albums we're listening to came out in a five-year period. So he oh, was... Oh, very brief. Yeah, yeah I guess Everything was 70, 75. Yeah, they cranked him. Okay, so Elton John, album <laughs> Elton John was 1970. Mm-hmm. Next, uh, we Tumbleweed Connection is the next one. That was early 1971, followed by Mad Man, Mad Man Across the Water, which was late 1971. So in one year they got those two albums out. Yep, and those are actually, uh, as we'll discuss probably, uh, those are very two closely related albums. I would say hmm. musically they are of a of a piece, as one might say. Uh, go ahead. What's next? A honky tonk chateau. No. What? Honky Chateau. Honky Chateau. There's no tonk. Well, that, I'm from Texas. I can't it's help it. It's not that. the Rolling Stones. It's not <laughs> honky Chateau was uh, early to mid-1972, followed by... Don't Shoot Me, I'm the Piano Player. I'm Only the Piano Player. Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player. All right, well, uh, I know it's here. I, I, I didn't know early, what ink, so I didn't write the Yeah, yeah that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh, early 1973, followed by... Yellow Brick Road. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Yeah. Which was a double album, so that almost counts for two. Is that fair to say? No, not really. But I, I mean, so yeah. What year was that? 1973 also. Later, October 1973, to be specific. And then Caribou was after that. Caribou is June 1974. Took a little break there. And then, 
almost a whole year before the next one, Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt. Yeah, category. I would agree that one. That was. Uh, May 1975. And then the final one we're talking about is Rock of the Westies, October 1975. Only a five-month break. Yeah. Between and it, I think it shows, but we'll yeah <laughs> we'll talk and, about and that. <laughs> the critics don't disagree with it. Yeah. yeah, so that's our our listing, and and, and we, we were discussing before the podcast. Uh, we were kind of giving going through that list and giving a uh, a star kind of, rating a star rating to them. Just we were agreeing on a star rating, and and we were in very close agreement, and it did not take long to come up with our. Our stars. So as we discuss these, we'll we'll, we'll tell you what our well stars. actually, Dave. I didn't want to argue with about tumbleweed connection. Well, no, no. Well, but, but that's that's the thing. I mean, we <laughs> <laughs> we'll explain what we have there, and then then we can disagree. You know, okay. <laughs> mostly we were in agreement. Maybe not everything, but you know that one didn't strike me as yeah. a great album. Yeah, but you know, I I don't have that yeah. background with it. I listened to. A to, couple to times, honest, three times, and yeah. you know, trying to get into it, and, and it just wasn't happening for me. That one I actually didn't know until high school. Um, it actually doesn't really have too many singles you hear on the radio. No, on it. no, it doesn't. Um, and there's like one or two songs I think I've heard. And Olivia Newton John, no relation to Elton John, uh, did a cover of one of those songs, and she had a pretty big hit with Is that it. Right? Which one was that? Uh, Love Song. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll play a little snippets of the song. Oh, awesome. yeah. Let's go. Let's go in order here. And, and oh yeah. Okay. Let's, we'll let's back do, up. Let's we'll do back Elton. Up, yeah. Let's back up. Do Elton John first. Yeah. There's um, a smash hit on there. Right. To put him on the charts. It was. It was what put him. Uh, what made him a, if not a household name, at least got him quite a bit of recognition. Yeah, why don't you put a little snippet of that? Uh, from the I think everybody knows this one really. There you go. Ah, yes, I love this tune, man. It is a beautiful song, and it's become a standard. I think. Yeah. It, it's one of his that. It's a little bit funny. Oh, wow. It's a little bit loud. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, so I mean, and it's one of the many songs, and there and there's a song of it that I hear in a little while that I, I want to refer to the same comment as that really exemplified how freaking great his voice is. Yes. I mean, yes. Voice. His singing on this is some, some of his best singing, yeah. I think, in any of his songs, really. Um, and this is probably a good time to bring up the fact that a lot of people may know already who's listening, who are hearing this, but for whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, Bernie Taupin yeah. uh, was his lyricist, and I'm going to pause this. So Bernie wrote every lyric Elton ever sang. I know, that, that's kind of like a, a weird sort it, of association. It is, a, well, it's like a Lennon-McCartney without the music on one side. Without, like, Lennon-McCartney did both parts. And they collaborated sometimes, and sometimes uh-huh. they didn't. But Elton John never wrote a lyric for any of those. I mean, I, I don't know that there weren't like times when he suggested he may have suggested, "Hey Bernie, what if we change this to yeah. you know that?" You know, there I'm sure there was some of that at times. But he, Bernie, is the the lyric writer, and he didn't. But he didn't write music. Elton took the lyrics and put them to music. And I find that part fascinating. Oh, okay. So so Elton John actually wrote the music for the words. Oh yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. So it wasn't like just Bernie does this. Bernie is not a musician. He doesn't play a single instrument on any of these albums, but he's pictured on every album. Yeah, yeah. Because he's an essential part of the, yeah, the, the group. Essentially, right. he, from what I understand, anyway, he would take however long 
you know, work on a song. I, from what I hear, it was sometimes only an hour or something. He he could write lyrics off pretty quickly, and uh, sometimes it shows. I have to say, yeah. I don't know if you listen too closely to some of his lyrics, but they don't always make as much sense as I think the way Elton puts them in music and sings them yeah. gives them more meaning. It makes them feel more important, substantial. But when sometimes when you read the lyrics by themselves, they don't. Except for the ones that tell a clear story, sometimes they're just, it's very... You know, that could be true for almost any song, though. Okay, sure. No, 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 that's true, but... Senseless. Bernie is especially prone, I think, to... Is that right? Just throwing things in there that have nothing to do with anything. He just likes the way the the words feel together. And, And, of course, there's something to be said for that. It's true, when you take apart any... Not any song, but a lot of songs. Many songs. Many songs. You take them apart, and they don't really mean that much. But so you know, in in my mind, you give them artistic license, right? Right. right. And we we won't. It's meaningful to to the whoever wrote it. Yeah. And I I don't think I'm gonna have too many examples tonight of of the songs that really bother me in that sense. But uh, anyway, so he would he would just jot off his lyrics, hand them over to Elton. Elton would completely set them to music, and somehow. I think the magic of it for these guys was that mm-hmm. they were on some sort of similar wavelength so that yeah. the lyrics that Bernie wrote, Elton just understood them and, and kind of just knew what to do with them. And just huh. His his musical settings, I, like he captures the mood of the, a lot of them. I, I'd be interested to know if Bernie ever gave him a song and then was like shocked to see what Elton had done with it because it's like, well, no, I didn't mean hmm. for that to happen. Right. But, that would be an interesting thing. Yeah, to know, but I, I what 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 albums did uh, Bernie Taupin write the music for? The songs for the lyrics for every single one of those. Yeah, every one of these I'm talking about. Yep, he their collaboration only ended after Blue Moves. Yeah, that was the last one they did together from the '70s. Then, ah. so for many years he didn't work with Bernie. Uh-huh. Then they reunited and did an album or two, and then I think at some point they started working together more. Currently, did, did uh, El- Elton's success change? Much from yeah. when he wasn't with Bernie Taupin, yes. and then when he was but I don't know that it was necessarily because of that. Yeah, I think Elton also burnt out and yeah. uh, was not. He wasn't writing the songs. He he was busy knighting people. Now he's a <laughs> sir. sir. That's right. He's Sir Elton, Elton John, isn't he? <laughs> uh, that came later, I think. But, <laughs> but I think that he um, he he kind of burnt out creatively too. I, yeah. I think he was in his zenith. No, is that is that the word? I was. Zenith good or bad? Zenith's good. Yeah. Good, okay. Zenith. Nader is the bad. Uh, that's when you hit your rock bottom. Zenith. But anyway, he when he was at his peak, <laughs> at his peak yeah. he was writing amazing melodies. Uh, he and Bernie somehow just had this this thing that uh, that worked so well together. And I don't know what it was, and they probably don't know what it was either. Yeah, yeah. Just some sort of magic. Yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. And, you know, we are gifted with all this wonderful music as a result. It's really yes. great. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, oh, oh, back to what we were saying, uh, the, the first album is Elton John. Uh, the, the song, of course, is your song mm-hmm. that uh, we were just playing. What what other songs off of that album stick out for you? Uh, for me, um, I think there are three three songs in there that I think are really kind of key songs. Is that one, uh, Take Me to the Pilot, and uh, Border Song. Mm-hmm. Those three, uh, those were sort of the. Can can, can you uh, whip out the? Sure, uh, here's "Take Me to the Pilot." If you feel that it's real, I won't try 
So I think this song. That's a giddy up song right there. Yeah. I think this song first is the first one that really hinted what he would become over the next few years. Oh. Like the power, the energy. Yeah. Because he was known for his live shows where he was just like all over the place, like banging on a piano, jumping up on top of it. And and, and this kind of hints that your song is not no, no. at all. You know, yeah. it just, it's like a singer songwriter. It's a little loud there. So. Um, so what you're, what you're talking about, when, when he debuted in the United States early on, I, I, I alluded to this uh, on another conversation earlier, where he was performing some venue in Los Angeles where, you know... The Troubadour? The Troubadour, yeah. that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, there was some artist talking about Elton John when they first saw him, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, here's another guy, he's going to go up there and play. And then he got up there and started jamming away, as he is, you know, now, perhaps. yeah. yeah. And uh, it was at that point in time they, you know, they all looked at each other and said, "Oh my God, this guy! Is like, there's something going on here. He's, yes. He's rocking yeah, great." Exactly. I think, and I think this album, like I said, this song hints at it, but I don't think I think people knew who had heard this album didn't know that that's what they would get when they saw it, went to see him live. Yeah. And when he when he said yeah. when he came to America and started doing that tour, that first tour, people were kind of blown away because that, he was already performing that way. I don't think he was dressing up the way that he did later. Yeah. Oh, is that right? He, he was not the fa- fancy sunglasses. He didn't do the stuff. outlandish yeah. costumes until a couple of years later. I think, so. yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you gotta but, you know, we, we got to work way into We that. got it, though, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so this song, I'm going to stop this one. This song is a pretty good example of that. The, and there was a second, uh, third song on here? Yeah, you? Border Song. Uh, which also appears on his greatest hits. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a... Yeah, Holy Moses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. it's almost a spirit. It's a spiritual, like a gospel song. So it's one of his most gospelish songs, I would say. What, a, what an amazing voice this guy was gifted with. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah. yeah. And after this one, we had the Tumbleweed Connection. Well, did you have any other songs that stood out for you? You know, you know, uh, of that album, uh, it, again, it, just like Tumbleweed Connection, I'm familiar with the ones that were the hits. Yeah. But the rest of it, you know, I was familiar with Border Song, but it, it didn't like stick stick out mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. So of the other songs, you know, I would listen to them and think, yeah, okay, I I, I kind of like that one, or it didn't really right. resonate right. with me. Right. Yeah. Well, I I. I I think Elton John, the album Elton John, uh, is is not. It definitely has high points and mm-hmm. some very high points. I think, but as a, on the whole, it doesn't really gel. I think as a as an album as much as some of his later hmm. ones do. It's definitely a, a a great debut. Well, one one of the lessons that I learned, you know, when when we started this exercise of, of listening to to all the albums and particularly uh, specifically with the Elton John here is. You know, I, I love Elton John, and I love his music, and he has so many great songs. Mm-hmm. And I was so looking forward to listening to every last one of them a hundred times, you know. And I, and I'd get to some of these albums, and it, it occurred to me, there's a reason why not every one of his songs were hits. <laughs> and some of them just aren't that good. Some of the songs just aren't that good. Well, a lot of people consider him a singles artist. I would say people who have heard his albums pretty thoroughly would not say that. Yeah. 
But I think but that, that he's a singles artist. You mean? Yeah, they wouldn't say that he was a singles artist. But but I but I do think there's an argument to be made that if you know his singles, you have a really good feel for who Elton John is. I mean, if you if you, know, is, if is, you know all those hits. When you talk, when you say the singles, you mean the, the the ones that are hits. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe you're not aware of the terminology of what singles really are. But right. The record company record companies select certain songs to release to the radio stations. And they put them on the 45 RPMs, yeah. and those are the singles. And the A side right. is the hit, the B side is sometimes a throwaway, and sometimes it's a good song. But yeah. So when I say singles, I mean the, the, the ones that were actually played on the, you know, given to the radio stations to play, and the ones that became the hits. Because yeah, sure. almost every one of his singles did become a hit during those years in particular. And, and I should add that regarding his later years that we sort of hinted at earlier. I hate everything. Is that right? I, I oh, there's some pretty good stuff that came out of that. Uh, no, there's not. You don't think? I don't think. I, I well, okay. I to be fair, I've never listened to an entire album <laughs> from his later years. I, 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 it would be unfair of me to say that. But there were there were some singles. There were some singles <laughs> that that I didn't mind. Uh-huh, you yeah. didn't mind. Oh, like I, I guess that's why they call it the blues. It's yeah, yeah, that's I, one of them. it's okay. You yeah. know, or or. I'm still standing. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know that. You know, I, that's okay. But nothing. Yeah, I, I nothing. Really care for that one. Those are compared to the these songs. They just don't have that. Is that? It's a different. Might, he, might that reflect some of your bias though? From bias. Uh, your, you know. No. Having this period of time when you when you knew. No. 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 It's it's pretty. <laughs> it is pretty widely recognized. I mean, there are some right? diehard Elton fans who will say, you know, oh yes. Yeah, 80s, 90s stuff is amazing. Yeah. But any true critical analysis, like somewhat more objective, uh-huh. you're gonna be pissing people off with comments yeah, I don't like care. that. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure most people who know Elton John would agree. He had this peak years. These yeah. 70 to 75 were his primary huh. years of greatness. All right. Anything beyond that, may it was either really bad. <laughs> well, no. I mean, there were some years in some albums that are just, just abysmal. Terrible. One, of, like one of his albums, I was reading a couple of reviews that said like they compared it to pretty much one of the worst albums that came out in Good that Lord, era, period by any major artist. Yeah. You know? And uh, there are some really, really terrible albums. And there are other <laughs> albums that were you know kind of mediocre. And then yeah. there are a few that, and again, I haven't listened to them, but there are a few that there's some consensus that they they approach the level. Of the early ones, hmm. but none of them really reach that level. I, I know music is subjective, but I think I think there can be agreement that a person is at their peak creativity, and that can be said about a know, lot of different artists for right, sure. Yeah, I think, and, and no matter like what, Dylan, media, yeah. you know, there could be a lot to be said said about his more recent albums. You know, and and some are critically acclaimed, but mm-hmm. to say that they're anything. Close to what he did during the '60s and '70s. Yeah, man. That you just fooling yourself. You know, you're a great comparison, right? And that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's just you you can't honestly you can't make a very good argument that they approach that kind of quality. Yeah, you know. All right. All right. Okay. So, hope I proved. No, I no. I mean, obviously, we've assuaged any. (laughs) I don't know. Hackles out there. I I, I just. Well, I don't think there are too many hackles. I mean, just a few yeah, very... I, I think anybody who feels that differently about that probably isn't listening to this anyway. Hmm. And, well, okay, here's another point to make. Um, 
I think a lot of people don't know this about Elton John nowadays, younger people. Most younger people don't really have a full grasp of how popular he was during this period. Maybe you don't either. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean you were around, obviously. But it doesn't mean you, you know, I don't know how much you listened to well, him. Well, I grew up in Texas, you know, like I said earlier. So Did was, you did you hear much Elton John in the early 70s? I, I, do you, do you I, remember I probably hearing? on the radio heard some of his hits, and I, and I, and I was enjoyed yeah. them, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But uh, in the 70s, well, I, I, was I, in New I was listening I was, to too much other stuff. I was stuff, listening you know? to New York City stations, and, you know, they, yeah. they played as much Elton John as anybody, I, I think. Yeah. So, so what about the popularity of What I was going to say yeah. is basically you've got Elvis Presley in the 50s as the, the biggest artist of that era. The Beatles were the biggest artists of the 60s. In the early 70s, Elton John was at that level. He was... No kidding. He was the number one pop artist between 70 and 75. There was nobody who could approach him. Huh. He outsold everybody. He is the it, Captain Fantastic and the Rounder Cowboy is the first album ever to debut at number one on the charts. Oh, I'll be damned. Yeah. Wow, that's it. That's happens, quite it's a happened a lot since then. Yeah. Over the years, but that was the first time it had ever happened. Hmm. It's evidence of how, you know, the, he's the ready. guy. Yeah, he was the guy, the yeah. go-to guy. He his he had a string of hits that was like unlike anything else during that period. You know, his his live shows were all the amazing. Rage, you know. Later seventies that changed because he stopped releasing albums for a while. Yeah. There, the eighties became Michael Jackson. I mean, that was mm. he was the next big one. You know, I would say late seventies was like disco. It wasn't like a person as much yeah. as like that genre of music. And, and you know, and and to know Elton now, you wouldn't necessarily know that unless you like looked more into his his older stuff. Or I don't know where it gets played as much these days. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you still hear from time to time, but yeah, yeah. Uh, classic rock doesn't play him that much. No, they, no, they play no, a few of his harder rocking songs, like Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, and a few of those. But a lot of his stuff is a little too soft for classic rock. So, huh? Yeah. Well, you know that really shed some light on on the experience of of him playing his music in the United States. You know, I I didn't recognize yeah. or wasn't aware that you know he was like the guy yeah I the mean, musician of was, that era yeah that's interesting yeah, yeah there there was nobody who could touch him i mean, huh. was, i don't know the actual like sales numbers but but i'm pretty sure he outsold just about everybody else uh, during that peak a few albums and and he was very prolific that's the word i was looking for prolific p word you're right <laughs> it was a p word <laughs> it just came to me that time. <laughs> well and, and he released you know on average almost two albums a year with varying degrees of yeah. quality, and uh, I, I have a, I do have a problem with Elton John. I love there's a lot of Elton John stuff I love, right. and some albums that you know are sort of I consider part of my music DNA, like you know Goodbye Elric Road and uh, Captain Fantastic. It's kind of there too. But as popular as he is, and as good as he is at creating a hit song, one thing I was reading uh, Robert Crisco, the, mm-hmm. the critic, yeah, he talked about his hooks, like his songs live and die on hooks you know, the catchy part of the, the tune and he is so good at writing just these little things that pull you into a yeah. song and, and, and that's what he thrived on but aside from being able to write really good hooks it's hard to say what his sound is because if you listen to his song even any one of the albums really after Tumbleweed Connection or so mm-hmm. he, he start. he just he would try anything like he'd take any genre of music and try to incorporate it into his songs and it's kind of like I see him as somebody who just tries on music. Like every song to me feels like he's pulling something out of the closet and putting it on mm-hmm. 
and that's the song. It's like it's a oh, it's here's a reggae song or here's a a fifties doo wop song or a hard rockin' Rolling Stones tune or a nineteen uh, twenties homage or you know. do, do do you feel like it was a a fabrication and not a little bit. I mean, sometimes it comes off a little little fake to me. Like, yeah, like he. He's trying out all this stuff, but he's not really... Sometimes it just feels... It doesn't feel like a, a genuine article of that kind of music. It always just feels like a, a sure pretend piece. And that's, mm-hmm. Sometimes what bothers me about him is like the, the pretend... Even when he's like rocking hard, it's sort of like he's putting on his hard rock uh-huh, right. outfit. Uh-huh. And he's he's doing that. And he's got a really good band. And they're not saying they weren't like... They couldn't... They're obviously capable of playing rock and roll. But he goes from being like the sensitive singer-songwriter in some songs mm-hmm. and that works well for me. and I, I would argue that's more what he really no, like, that was gonna be what he really question, describes yeah. him you know it's like uh, songs that would exemplify that or perhaps your song your song or, yeah. uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road the song yeah, yeah, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road um, Harmony at the, yeah. uh, the last song Goodbye Yellow Brick Road and um, just ballads I mean he yeah. When he sings good, his best ballads, that's when I feel like he's being most himself. But like sure. Danny Bailey, is that another? A uh, little bit. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a great song, but uh, that one feels a little more natural to me. That doesn't feel as quite as put on, but mm-hmm. Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, great song, but it's just trying to be like a Rolling Stones song, essentially. A little faster than they would probably do it, but... Uh, the sound of it is very Rolling Stones. You know what, what you're saying. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to articulate that, but it, it does resonate with me. I I, yeah. I hear what you're saying. I, I think I I think I agree with you. Yeah, and well, like like uh, funeral lies, funeral for a friend, and love lies bleeding. As much as I love that song, I mean, this comment doesn't change that I love the song, but that's like a prog rock, progressive rock thing. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, or. Yeah. Yes, or something. I mean, not quite as complicated as they got, but like the. Um, and when I say I agree with you, I, I think I understand what you're the point you're trying to make. I, I don't. It doesn't necessarily turn me off from. Right. It song. doesn't always. I mean, it, it it only turns me off if it's particularly poorly or transparent or poorly done. Like. Yeah. You know, and and some of his best songs still fall into that category, but but they they really somehow they just work really well. Like. Um, like Benny and the Jets, he's trying to be like a glam rocker, David uh-huh. Bowie kind of glam rocker, and and um, it's a great song. Yeah, it works, I think, you know, but uh, it still doesn't feel like it's really. I don't know, man. You hurt my feelings right then. I kind of like that song a lot. Oh, I love that. Song. I love that song. <laughs> no, I mean, Goodbye Elbert Road. It, uh-huh. It's not a perfect album, but it, it feels as as a as a whole, it works really well. I think yeah. there's some couple songs in there. They're just not really good songs. Like I don't like Grey Seal myself. Oh, I like that one actually. Yeah. That one, I think, works really well. But Jamaica Jerk Off is one of the worst songs I've ever <laughs> done. That's his reggae song. Yeah. And and here's the thing I really hate when he does he he puts on voices like he's he puts on this. I think they call Can it you play an example? Well, oh, should, should we move on ahead? Yeah. To that? I mean, we're well. I guess we're jumping around. Yeah. yeah. Actually, okay. Okay. This actually comes into play for Tumbleweed Connection. All right. Uh, Tumbleweed Connection is their their Western album. Right. And every song fits into this Western. Like, Bernie Taupin was obsessed with Western mythology, essentially, huh. like American Western. Yeah. Like, Ballad of a Well-Known Gun starts off the album. And, and this album, if you know the group, the band, yeah. they were trying to be the band for this. Huh. I mean, 
so are trying to be. But, so but the, the way so you talk about this is like they're mimicking other bands, like the Stones. Or kind of, well, it's not band. always a band specifically, right. but a type right. of music, like right. a genre of music sometimes. Um, like there's... Uh, you know, and I, I think this album really... It, it generally works for me. Like It has this very... Uh, old timey kind of feel and I think mm-hmm. they succeeded at what they were trying to do and that's why I, I like this more than you maybe is because I, I have had time to let yeah. that 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 whole that's uh, not the word I'm looking for but the, the whole concept has sort of sunk in for me and I can feel how right, the right. strings together yeah like and, and so yeah in my mind when I think of Elton John I think of what you and I may agree upon as what his music is and right. those are the songs that stick with me. Anything that Elton John does that varies from that, mm-hmm. yeah, I can't associate with. Right. Well, like this, this. this um definitely is a. Well, this differs. It doesn't differ from like your song, like like this stuff feels to me like a continuation of your song or "Take Me to the Pilot." Mm-hmm. Like any one of these songs could probably be connected to one of those two songs hmm. as like a continuation of that feel. Like like I don't think his palette. Of, of song types or outfits that he was putting on was very broad yet at this point. I think he was still kind of sticking with it. Mm-hmm. What, 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 what year are we talking about? This is 1971 still. Yeah, still really, really early. Uh, Country Comfort is a great song. That's this one here. The... Oh, whoa. Sorry, guys. That was my, that was my speaker. I'm going to turn it this way. There we go. Um, were you familiar with this song? No. Just, no. It's probably one of the this album is not like I said there's no real hits yeah. singles from it but this is one of the better known did you have a favorite song from this album by any chance no, no I, have I, very... I, I, I couldn't come up with any ah. I listened to it and, and I you know did you listen all so, the way sometimes I, I would like alright now I need to listen to the next song and I wouldn't finish listening to ah. a particular song I'm sorry but I, I have to say I think you need to listen alright well you know I, 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 well I'm no, my opinion is that as long as you listen all the way through to any one album, then the next time through, that's when skipping is more. <laughs> I don't tell you how you have to how yeah. you listen to listen to it. That's what I did. I mean, well, well, given that it was like the third album we were listening to, I I, I did yeah. like yeah make sure I took the, I had the time and you know, yeah. an opportunity to. Well, and I think if you skip ahead, you're not going to get the full impact yeah. of the songs, and you're not going to yeah. see the connection between the songs, you know, because you're just. You're skipping around. So. Um, well, it, there, I think there's a for me there's a clear favorite on this album. Actually, there's a couple. Where to now, Saint Peter mm-hmm. is a really good one. It's this one here. Um, he has uh, some interesting instrumentation on some of these. There's one that's like got harp on at the beginning. This is not the one with harp. Well, speaking of the di- different instruments, on, on some of his songs, he uses a harpsichord, and the sound of that just kind of turns me off. I don't really like the harpsichord. Which song? Yeah. It'll, it'll come up. It's it's one of his okay. bigger hits uh, as we're as we're going through the albums. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Tell me when you get there. Yeah. Um, this song here, "Love Song," was not a hit for him, but it was a hit for. Or at least a minor hit for Olivia Newton-John. Oh yeah, yeah, you mentioned that. I think I mentioned this earlier, but yeah. 
see if I can find her version. Today. Did um, Elton John primarily played, played yeah. keyboard piano, right? Yeah. Did he? Did he is that it? Yeah. So he was always piano. He, the rest of his group were Davy Johnston guitar, Dee Murray on bass, Nigel Olson on drums, and Ray Cooper's percussion. Mm-hmm. And between them, they covered pretty much all the basses. And any, any of these guys go off and work with other bands uh, at any point before or after? Later, he broke up that band after this string of... Like, they were pretty much on all of these albums. Yeah. Rock of the Westies featured a couple of those plus some other guys. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, he... Uh, turn this down a little bit. He... Uh, Beyond that, he he worked with other people. They he got back with these guys for a couple of albums, I think. So, and I in the meantime, yes, they mm-hmm. they, they were so pretty much people, these guys I, were the the dudes. They they were in this era. Just, yeah, yeah. Huh. They they played on pretty much everything that his biggest hits, almost all his biggest hits. Um, but I I don't think they had any equal success with anybody else. Yeah, they're good musicians, but yeah. are are any of them? Considered, like, like the best at what they do. Yeah, that's where I'm trying to go with that. I guess. Yeah. Uh, David Johnson's a considered a really good guitarist. I think he. I I, I sort of the name sure rings a bell. Yeah, I, I kind of group him in with like Brian May of Queen. Brian May is probably more creative, even you know, but mm-hmm. um, and I think he did a lot of the songwriting. For Queen, as far as music goes, so David Johnson is not necessarily. I I don't know how that worked in their band. I don't know. You know, Elton John wrote the music, but I don't know how they worked out the other instrument parts. You know, like he wrote on piano, mm-hmm. but whether like David Johnson came up with guitar parts, how I'm going to play that, this part, or if he it. told him, well, why don't you try this? Yeah, you know, I I don't know how that worked. Yeah, yeah, I'd be curious to to participate in a, something like that. And, and soon after Tumbleweed? Well, hold on. Okay, you hold got on. for that? Oh, hold on. Lo siento, amigo. Gotta play my favorite song on Tumbleweed Connection. Oh, okay. Which should have been yours if you'd listened closely. I'm, I'm just teasing. I'm such a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. Okay. Amarina. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's this is so clearly his best song on the album. His singing on this and the music, the instrumentation, it just all really works really well. What's it about? You got me. No, it's about this this girl he's in love with named Amarina, apparently. It's oh, really no weird name. Oh, no, appropriately named. Yeah. The song. Oh, is. Amor. Yeah. yeah. It's true. I like the rhythm of the song too. I like that. I like his affected voice in this. Yeah, he does affected voices a lot. Yeah. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it really doesn't work for me. So. He does a twang a lot. You'll notice maybe. Sometimes it's really annoying. <laughs> This is the one I hear on the radio sometimes. I mean, I think this was sort of considered the, the hit from the album. Although, like I said, I'm not really sure if it was released as a single. You must have played some because that, yeah. this sounded familiar to me also. Yeah. Yeah. But I certainly didn't have the album. 
like this part here. Like, dink, 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 dink. Some really good piano playing here. Like nice and clear piano. Yeah. I, really like I can imagine like thrashing yeah. on this like freaking this. thing, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, like to have seen that, that. That's what I like. Like I like him best sometimes when he's doing that kind of stuff. Like in Hunky, um, Hunky Cat. That's one of the reasons I love yeah. that song so much. That's a fun song. Uh, which is coming up soon here. Um, the the next album was uh, Madman Across the Water, mm-hmm. which I think I already sort of hinted that was kind of a continuation of this. Right. I don't think it had quite the Western thing. It wasn't like the Cowboys and all that. But um, Well, in fact, didn't you say earlier that Madman Across the Water, the actual song, yeah. was originally... Right proposed to be on the Tumbleweed album. Yes, yeah. And here I'll play a little bit of that and you can sort of hear how it might fit in. God, man, that's so wonderful sound. Yeah, well, that's Davy Johnstone playing, so yeah. clearly he's a good guitarist. Yeah. Is that something that you and I could play? Or is that, uh, is that... with, with practice, I suppose. I don't think it's super complicated, but... Yeah, his singing in this song is really good. This this album I, I didn't know as well. I didn't know it at all growing up, and I really only <laughs> discovered Tiny Dancer like later. I mean, by later I just mean maybe like junior high or high school. Um, and I really like that song. I like Levon, although that story really bugs me. It's just like that's one of those songs. Something about that, the balloons or something. I don't know. It's just like it has no purpose. I, I don't. I think it's supposed to be important sounding, but it comes across as just like, hmm. why do we care about Levon? I, like, who is he? Some sort of Jesus figure? I mean, that's kind of what I get out of it. And something about it kind of bugs me a little bit. Musically, it's okay. It's pretty good. But yeah. So it's the story that bothers you. Kind of. I just. I just find it a little. I think Bernie was just kind of stretching. Hmm. Not stretching. Just. It, just it, it, well, it certainly did really well. It did. Yeah. It wasn't a huge hit, but yeah. people like it. You hear it on the radio. Uh, I, so, so the 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 Madman on the Water that that was uh, originally proposed on the Tumbleweed album. Mm. Did did were you saying that the uh, Madman Across the Water that actually appeared on the Madman Across the Water album is different? Is that what you were well, saying? Well, it, it didn't actually appear on the album. It well, it's just it's it's on only on the bonus okay. tracks of the gotcha yeah thing. That's, and I'm saying they put it there because it was recorded for those sessions that I get what you. you hear is the bonus track is just that version they redid it for mm-hmm. the Madman Across the Water album but so, the but the difference is not distinct um you can hear it it's not it's 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 better played here definitely yeah. on the on the final version you hear on, gotcha. the, right. on this album I think they worked out a better arrangement hmm so this album has never really grabbed me as much, uh, but listening to it for this podcast, I actually did gain a bit more appreciation for it. Hmm. I think it's better than I gave it credit for. Yeah, I, I like Levon more more than you yeah, do. In fact, yeah. you know, there was one point in time I was uh, trying to pick it up on the guitar. You know, it's well, it's, and a, I, it's a nice song. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, and I think that's another one. Let me just play a little bit of it here. Um, I also wonder a little bit like I, I think they had a obsession with the band the band the band oh okay <laughs> uh, and that shows up a lot on some of these early songs um, especially like a song like this it does a lot and Levon Helm was the drummer in the band yeah and I, I can't 
help but think he was using that as inspiration <laughs> for the title of the song. So. I don't think it has anything to do with Lee Wan yeah. necessarily, but um, I think it's a little bit of a tribute, in my, my opinion. I don't know if that's true. Hmm. It's not a terrible thing. I was playing this uh, album when uh, Enzo was around, my buddy, my buddy Enzo was around, and uh, Tiny Dancer really resonated with him. Evidently, uh, yeah. at some point in his life when there was like some yeah. tra- you know, transitional moment, Tiny Dancer, he came back home and he said he listened to the song for like, over and over again for two or three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, that I don't like it as much as some a lot of people do. I, yeah, it's another one I. Can, can you hunk it, uh, play out a little hunk of it? Yeah, as if people haven't heard it enough already. <laughs> I love the piano. It starts yeah. out a good piano. I don't know what it's supposed to be about though. It's another one that it's if I, the meaning of a lot of their his songs, Bernie's songs really escape me, and I yeah. Well, like, like Gastel says, what's this guy's Chris, name? Chris Gow. Chris Gow. I'll get it right one of these days. Yeah. Chris Gow says, how tiny is she? <laughs> yeah, just how tiny. <laughs> I, it, well, in fact, I actually, there was a point, I think, where I, I thought Tiny Dancer may be referred to, like, one of those little ballerinas in a music box. Yeah, yeah. And he, like, was writing, he saw one of those and, like, wrote the song about yeah. that and turned into a real person. Well, oh, shoot, me as much as ballerina so it's possible that it has some <laughs> but this song I think uh, it meant it it was clear it meant more to other people than to me when, when I saw it in Almost Famous do you know the movie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it plays a big part there where they're on the bus and they're singing along with uh-huh. this and I said wow I guess that's a pretty good song after all you know and, and I liked it more for that reason I think but it's still never quite connected with me the way that like some of his other songs yeah. Has, yeah. also I can't sing along with that part Hold Me Closer Tiny Dancer it gets way too high and it just <laughs> Not even it hurts my vocal car. cords or something it's, <laughs> I think when he when he does that you know I need to be able to sing along so have we talked enough about Band Man Across the Water should we move along to yes yes let's or, do that okay would you like to start the discussion about Honky Chateau? Or Honky Chateau, you know, uh, you th- this, this is this is one that uh, I was unfamiliar with, and I and I put some time into like listening to it, and and there was a song in there called Slave, yeah, that uh, it, I had never heard it before, and I, and I kind of dug it, you know, so I, I played that one several times, just kind of mm-hmm. like trying to get a sense of it, a better sense of it. I really, I really enjoyed that song. I, I don't remember any details of it right now, but uh, it was something that stuck with me. That yeah, it was it was kind of a nice discovery yeah in this process yeah, yeah the album is one of is it, it's the album i think where he everything finally clicks you know hmm. like there were you know certainly moments in all those prior albums but i think honky chateau just like he becomes elton the superstar it's where he suddenly he got his biggest hits to that time i mean hockey cat was a big hit i think it was number one and uh rocket man rocket man of yeah. course which Everybody knows Rocket yeah. Man, I think, and that kind of became a defining song for him. And I love Rocket Man. Even I, I, I still don't think I've heard it too many times. You know, I, yeah. I just, and that may have something to do with the fact that I, I actually remember being on the radio when I was a kid. You know, and it just it, I loved it then. And just yeah, you know that I do recall hearing this. This is a grade school. Yeah, yeah. this time, right? Yeah. And right, I do right. recall hearing it. 
Yeah. But the rest of the album has some great stuff on it that you don't really hear on the radio. Yeah, like, the Mona, Mona Lisa. Mona Lisa's oh Mad Hatters. That is God, such a good no. song. Here, let's let's play a little bit. Of Please, because I, I can't get enough of that song. I don't know. Yeah, it's very soulful. And this is, again, one of those examples of a song where I feel like it's him. This is him singing. Yeah, this, is, this is what he really is. Is this... This is his true music. And, and it, I, I love the song so much. I went up and like, what the hell is Bernie Taupin talking about? You know, and I, and you know, it was our first night in New York City, and there was a gunshot. You know, all this, all yeah. this kind of interesting stuff happened that inspired him to write the song. But you know, I, I uh, my my opinion of it was uh, supported when I read more about this particular song. And all the credits were like, well, this is Elton John singing his finest. And I thought, well, yeah, I you know. His, his voice on this is definitely some of the best. It's really remarkable, yeah. Yeah. And again, it has that nice, clear... He's such a good piano player. I mean, that's... A, I mean, everybody knows piano's his thing because he would be banging away. Yeah. But, but he is a really good piano yeah. player. He's not just a hack who just bangs and nothing sounds good, but he's really good. And, and a song like this really gives you... Mm-hmm chance to hear that I just really love how his, his voice just flows into the notes it's uh, so yeah. graceful yes yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, it's a great song I think this has always stood out for me when I've listened to this album too and it makes references to uh, the song Spanish Harlem mm-hmm. and now I mm-hmm. know that Spanish Harlem is not just a term or yeah pretty words to say pretty words to say right and he mentions the rose mm-hmm. growing in Spanish Um Yeah, yeah. That, so that, that really stuck out for that, me. It, yeah, and I, yes, and I agree with you on Rocket Man. That's, 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 that's such a great tune. Yeah, yeah. I just thinking again about this. I I think the thing I was saying earlier about him putting on costumes, I guess, or does whatever. I think that started happening more after this album. Mm-hmm. It goes along with his also putting on stage costumes like and I, I think he may have been doing that earlier too but I think it got when he became the mega star Elton John it was not it started this album but really hit big with Goodbye Yellow Brick Road and that mm-hmm. was like that's like the yeah the apex of his popularity it's when he wore crazy glasses and all these costumes and I think he just tried to expand his palette or something I think at that point and because you don't see that on this album most of the songs are kind of in a they feel all kind of together in a genre they don't they're different musical influences but I think it's still kind of it's him in a piano and some backing stuff and you really get start to get away from that on Goodbye Elbert Road mm-hmm. and, and I think there's where he's just trying out all these different genres yeah he, he gets very, pretty crazy on success, that one, yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe up till now that isn't as much of an issue. I think uh, another one that I love on this is um, well I'm gonna play a little honky cat because I just love honky. Yeah, cat. I love the. the I love it. Yeah, it's you know I, I like this song also, but going back to what you were saying earlier, this this seems like an extension of Elton John that isn't really him. You know, and it, you know I don't want to discount the song, but. When I, when I think of Elton John, this isn't a go-to song for me. Yeah, yeah. For me, it is. It's it's one of my all-time favorites by him. It's just it's so funky. It's such a New, or- New Orleans kind of. It does have song. that, yeah, yeah. And I think it's basically singing about that kind of uh, setting. 
I just love the, the rhythm of this song. Yeah. It's just, I think well, you're his almost singing, dancing over there. I know, I can't. <laughs> no, like the horns. There's such good horns on yeah. here, too. Like the little horn bursts. And there's the, like, like a bass used, sax in there, yeah. too. And they're just used awesome. so well. Like, yeah. Like that whole little interplay right there. Yeah. Like his, his singing on that. It's like just fits in with the song so well. I think. It's some of his loosest singing, sorry, which is just like. It's almost scat singing, but not really. I mean, just kind of like. He's it does have a scat quality. Yeah, and I just I love it for that. Uh, this this is maybe a good time to bring up the fact that on all of these albums we're talking about, yeah, he had the same producer for every single album. Is that unusual among artists? Yeah, huh. pretty unusual. There are a few others who are like that, but like the Beatles had George Martin for all mm-hmm. their stuff, but Gus Gus Dudgeon was the producer on everything that he did during these years. Remarkable thing about Gus Dudgeon's production is that it doesn't really imprint. I think it lets Elton be Elton, mm-hmm. but kind of keeps it somehow. It just makes it all sound really good. I think he caught on to what Elton was trying to do musically, and he just tried to enhance that the best he could. And hmm. I think he made everything sound I, I as wouldn't good have, as it is. It surprised me to hear you say that. I, I wouldn't think that the producer. They're just how, how much influence do they really have on the music? I would think not that much. It's it's the writer, the lyricist, and, and the singer that is the music. Let me no? tell you a little something. Ah, uh, educate me, man. Producers can have all. Is that right? Yeah. They can dictate pretty much on what happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, producers, good producers, let the artist do their thing, but make it sound, make it sound really good. Songs don't just sound the way they sound because mm-hmm. you you go into a recording studio and flip on a switch you've got to work really hard to get it to sound the way it is, to mix it the way it is. I think the best producers are kind of invisible, but, yeah. they're, but they are doing, that's what makes them so good, is they're, they're, they're bringing out the best in these artists, and, and you never know it. There are producers who have a very signature sound, though, who sometimes for better, sometimes for mm-hmm. worse. Like good example is Phil Spector. All Phil Spector productions are more about him than they are about the artists. The Crystals and the Ronettes and Ronnie Spector, who is Ronnie Spector because she ended up marrying him, they're amazing performers. But his wall of sound, which he, he everything he did, like whether it was the Righteous Brothers, you know, you've lost that loving feeling, mm-hmm. or the Ronettes or the Duran Ron Ron. Yeah, there, if, if you listen to all those, there's this big, it's just like they call it the wall of sound because there's no empty spaces. He just filled it with sound. Like hmm. he, didn't leave much empty space. So that was his influence on the music. That was his influence, and, and, and you he can would, hear you can you know a Phil Spector production when you hear it. Huh, so he would dictate to the artist. No, you got to do. You got to add something here. He, to fill he was it, Phil Spector was a little different because he almost was the artist. Uh huh. He didn't write the songs, but he found the songs and he gave them to the artists and he put the groups together a lot of the times. Oh. And so and and they were real group, real amazing talents. Like you know, Ronnie Spector is an amazing voice and. But his influence was the, the recording hmm. itself is almost as much part of the the song. So as the song itself, pretty much, he was pretty much tailoring the sound. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, my point is that um, producers really can have a huge impact on the way hmm. album sounds because they it's what they do, what effects they they add. They may add like a ton of reverb, or they do all sorts of stuff with the. the that surprises me. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a really big thing.
producers are not just movie producers. You know, you may be thinking something like that, where movie producers just contribute money. Yeah. There's yeah. a director who has a lot more exactly, impact yeah. on the movie, and you you understand, I'm sure, right. how directors influence what a movie looks like. That's what a producer does. So that's kind of music. analogous. Huh? Yeah, it's analogous. It's more Actually. analogous to director in movie than it is to producer in movie. Guest Dudgeon, I think, was very good for Elton John because he didn't really impact the sound that much. He didn't have his own imprint, really. I think he let Elton John just sound like the best Elton John he could be. Well, you know, it needed that explanation. That was, well, that was helpful. Maybe things. a little. Anyway, so uh, Hockey Chateau. I just wanted to add one more yeah. song that I really like. A little bit controversial because it's. Uh, I think I want to kill myself. I think I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it really glorifies suicide, but it maybe plays a little lightly with it. <laughs> and, and it's a very. It's another good piano one. Like this album, it really features this piano really well. I think throughout, mm. throughout throughout the album, and I think that's one of its really strong points. And his melodies are just great on this album, too. So. Yeah, it didn't really feature his voice. And that's one of the things I really like about Elton John, is, is his voice. And, mm-hmm. you know, except for little snippets like here, which is, are pretty nice, his voice, as that is. But for the most part, it doesn't really have that going on. His voice, that is. Yeah, I disagree. Yeah. I think all these songs like really feature his song, his song, his voice extremely well. Um, I think they kind of allow it to really kind of shine through better. Hmm. Your 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 mention of slave actually brings up another point I wanted to talk about a little bit here. I think that's clearly it's about slavery, mm-hmm. um, and I think it does a good job of talking about the subject. But I think one problem I have with them. And by them, I mean Bernie Taupin and, by extension, Elton John. Although he didn't write the lyrics, he essentially approved them by singing them, you know. I mean, right. He, um, complicit. In the complicit. I, I think they have a tough time dealing with race hmm. in their songs. Interesting. Like Do tell. There are several songs which just are very cringeworthy, I think. This being one cringe. of them? No, this is not one of them. This no. is one of the ones where I think it works pretty well. Um, but more... To the point are songs like Jamaica Jerk Off, where it's just a dumb song anyway. But he sings in this like accented, I think they call it a patois, P A T O I S. It's like a Jamaican, mm-hmm. the Jamaican way of talking. And for very white, very British Elton John to sing that way just sounds wrong to me. And hmm. the whole song is this like pretend reggae, and it's to me it just it borders on being offensive. Almost. Uh, not the lyrics so much because it's just a stupid song. Yeah. But the way he approaches. Well, now I'm dying to. Right. Yeah. Well, here, let's, let's, let's go there. <laughs> um, just to illustrate my point, here's to make a jerk off, or at least. Oops, sorry. I keep hitting the wrong volume button here. Yes, the song that never really struck yeah. me anyway, and not for a different reason. But yeah. uh, good dance song, I guess. Sure, I guess. Yeah. 
It's kind of dumb. And but that, it's, it's not even the best example of this. Island Girl is terrible. It's it, you don't like Island Girl. Island Girl is a racist song. It's, no kidding. Oh my god! Have you listened to the lyrics? I guess I haven't. Jesus, it's it's, it's awful. It's <laughs> and you know I I used to like it. It's very catchy. This is and this is moving very far we're, forward. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm jumping out of our yeah, yeah. chronology here for a moment just to make my point. Don Caribou, right? Rock of the Westies. No, I'm sorry, Rock of the Westies. Yeah, everybody knows Island Girl. Yeah. But let let me just look up the lyrics here to. Yeah, this song, this song just doesn't do anything for me. But... Although, it, it is catchy, you know. Island Girl, right? Sure, yeah, it's got the hooks. I mean, yeah. that's what he's so good uh, at. Yeah, the hooks. You know? um, and he can make anything sound good, you know. Like, if he writes a good melody for it, it works. Okay, here, maybe you're, it's hard to hear what he's singing. Like, mm-hmm. he, he does mm-hmm. this a lot. And that's another thing that sometimes annoys me. He he mispronounces things intentionally to make them fit into songs, or sometimes he just like runs things together. He kind of it, it bugs me a little bit, but that's not so bad. But so I'm gonna read you a few of the lyrics from Island Girl and All right. uh, here. right in the beginning. I see your teeth flash, Jamaican honey so sweet, down where Lexington cross Forty Seventh Street. Oh, she's a big girl. She's standing six foot three, turning tricks for the dudes in the big city. She's about a Prostitute. Yeah. That, that's fine. But the chorus goes, Island girl, what you wanting with the white man's world? Island girl, black boy want you in his island world. And it just, I mean, it's, I mean, I guess to say it's racist is a little bit maybe pushing it, but it just makes me cringe. It's like... I, it's, it's certainly it's risky and, and potentially it's, offensive it's, to somebody. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's racially insensitive at, the, at, at best. And here, well, she's black as coal, but she burned like fire, and she wrap herself around you like a well-worn tire. What does that mean? Well, <laughs> you know, sexual. Uh, a well-worn wrapping. tire? Uh, yeah, I don't. Well, again, black. I mean, you know, it, it's, oh, okay. it's. Bernie Taupin just doesn't know how to deal with race stuff, and I think you should just leave it out of the songs altogether. Because hmm. whenever he brings it in, if you look at the lyrics, it just it's not done well I mean this song is about wanting to save her from prostitution I think um, and the song after it on, uh, on Rock of the Westies is Grow Some Funk of Your Own which is this Hispanic like this Mexican thing that is also I find very cringy um, he sings in this like kind of Mexican accented thing at times And it's not a very good song anyway. It's nah, just kind of, uh, I don't really like this. Uh, but listen to it while I look up the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, besides that, it has the most horrible picture on it. Rock yes. of the Westies. Rock of the Westies is the worst Elton John yeah. photo they could have picked. I think it's just... He looks good in some of the other photos they've used. And why not? I'm sure they could find some good ones, but... I find some of 
Tuffin's lyrics also to be uh, pretty offensive to women too sometimes. <laughs> and I think he means well. It, it's not that he's trying to be offensive to women. I, I think, but so frequently they're writing about call girls, painted ladies, prostitutes, uh, dirty little girls, and just like so many times women are just put in these awful positions. Like that's like that's how they sing about women. It's hmm. it's it's more that he just doesn't find better better ways to portray women. Uh, I mean, there's you know Marilyn Monroe mm-hmm. in um, uh, Candle in the Wind, right? Of course, and you know very sympathetic portrayal. And that's great. I mean, I I think it deals very well with that setting. But I don't see that many references in songs just to women specifically. You know, there's love references and things like that, where it's implied that it's a woman you're talking about. But when women come are brought into his songs, it's so frequently. This well, this is Bernie Taupin's lyrics, though, right? So. Well, I know, but he's writing for Elton. And he knows that. Yeah, I mean, gotcha. he's not singing them. So here's here's some of the lyrics to that. Uh, I dreamed I'd been in a border town in a little cantina that the boys had found. I was desperate to dance just to dig the local sounds. When along came a senorita. She looked so good that I had to meet her. <laughs> my own rhyming. Out nice, there. good work. Uh, I was ready to approach her with my English charm when her brass-knuckled boyfriend grabbed me by the arm. Okay, that's the beginning of... And he said, Grow some funk of your own, amigo. Grow some funk of your own. We we know like to, with the gringo fight, but there might be a death in Mexico tonight if you can't grow some funk of your own, amigo. Well, just the way you can't grow his English. Yeah, when he pretends to be somebody by doing that clipped English kind of thing, it just really bugs me. It just... I find it very annoying. Like, a, it's almost mocking, perhaps? Kind of. It's, it's yeah. definitely stereotyping, at the very least, you know, and, and I don't think they mean badly. I don't think they, I don't think they're actually racist. I just don't think they know. Yeah. I don't think Bernie knew how to bring it into his songs in a more sensitive way or <laughs> something. I don't think he was very good at that. Maybe he got better later on. I don't know. From the songs that I know that somehow relate to that sort of thing, it's just, it's... Makes me a little uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm struggling now to, to to decide whether or not I find that offensive or not, and you know I, I guess it's really up to a, a person of Hispanic origin to decide if it's offensive. I sure, think. sure. I I just I just think whenever there's that kind of stereotyping, I mean, okay, imagine a band that you think of as fairly sensitive to that kind of thing, like U two. Mm-hmm. Imagine Bono singing lyrics kind of like that. Wouldn't you find that? It would strike me as Awkward. totally out of character for sure. Yeah, right. Out of character meaning that, boy, maybe it was not the best choice. Yeah. Of, yeah. So I mean, I, just because Elton John doesn't mean it's any, you know, he wasn't. He's not trying to make any grand statements like you two often does. Mm-hmm. And so somehow for you two, it'd be even worse. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think Elton John should be excused because he's not trying to make grand statements. You know. I just I I think coming from other singers. You you probably wouldn't have any doubt that it was a little awkward at the very least, you know. And maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe maybe it's not. No, no. I think you're touching on something that uh, there's an insensitivity to that. That by characterizing this Hispanic person as having poor grammar, it perpetuates the stereotype for sure. So don't shoot me. I'm only the piano player. We we I think we agreed that this was not. Prime Elton John, although I've seen things written about it where I think this one is actually more the where he becomes superstar, mm-hmm. even though it's not a super strong album. Mm-hmm. I think it, it really, Hunky Cat and Rocket Man kind of got him ready, like like they were 
they were what shot him into the stratosphere and then he continued with this and the big songs from this one are Daniel Daniel for sure yeah. a great song I've always loved that it's, it's a little on the maybe a little on the sappy side but it's it's I find it really beautiful I think it's it is really beautiful yeah um, well and what are the songs on here is uh sticks out for you uh elderberry wine it was a pretty big no, I, don't, I would say pretty big hit me but it was you still hear it on the radio occasionally Oh, and Crocodile Rock is on here. Which well, of course that. That was a defining moment for Elton John. I think that. I've, I've grown to like it, but when it first came Oh, it can be really annoying. Yeah, it, you know, if you're not the right mood for it. Yeah. it yeah. But I remember that as a kid. Yeah, man, come on, I can't do that. Well, let's, let's pay attention to Dan here for a second. <laughs> I find this very moving. It's about his brother. Not a real brother, but um, Daniel, his brother, is like flying off to Spain. And... He's really going to miss it. Must be a very close relationship with Daniel. And I always felt like, as a kid, when I heard this, I felt like Daniel was, like, dying or something. I felt like he had, like, cancer and he was fine. Yeah, I, I still to, kind of feel that way. Is that demonstrative? I, I think the lyrics the hint at, like, maybe never seeing him again, and I think there's something like that. Like, yeah. I think he's flying away to maybe spend his final days in the beautiful country of Spain or something. Hmm. That, that's sort of how I picture it, but I, I don't know if there's anything that... I, I always, I always thought that uh, whoever this person is, Daniel, that's going off to to basically passing away. Yeah. You know, at some point in time, there was some conversation that Spain is heaven to this person, so that's yeah. why he said Spain. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's I guess good. you're gonna read most of the things. Of all of Elton John's songs, there are a few songs of his that choke me up all the time, and this one does it. Is that right? Yeah. Oh. I mean, it, it it still does occasionally. If, <laughs> if, I'm in the, if I'm in the right mood to be choked up. I, <laughs> I'm feeling especially vulnerable. <laughs> no, I mean like you know, uh, that's really cool though. But over the years, this this song, like as a kid, the song affected me. You know, it's just huh. like I just found it very moving, and and I think it's the melody is so beautiful, and just it with, is really with that, the lyric, yeah. it's it's some of Bernie's best lyrics, I think. Actually, I, I think they work really well, and I think he he's at his best when he's portraying a particular storyline or scene. You know, I think I think when he doesn't have a clear story to tell mm-hmm. he gets way off track and just kind of like becomes meaningless but when he he's focused like this or like candle in the wind he's really good like hmm. just so that song and would you would you play a little of a elderberry one yes this is a good rocker This is one of the songs I would have liked to yeah. skip down past. Keep listening, of course. The hook. You know, okay. Here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> I mean, you gotta admit, like that part of the song suddenly makes it better. Maybe like the third or fourth time I listened to it, would be alright. Like, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. The first part, pretty nondescript. Yeah. It's not immediately one of his better pieces, but this part makes it all work better. Because hmm. then when he goes back to that, you know this is coming. And 
and like he's singing he's got that his, he's turning on his rocker voice yeah 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 you know? and that's the other thing he does which I think I was hinting at before I was starting to say that he's got this sensitive Elton John like Daniel mm-hmm. or song whatever and he really nice singing and then he's got the tough guy Elton John and as we know and it has nothing to do with his sexuality it's just, just <laughs> it's just him he's not a tough guy he's a really nice uh-huh. he's just a sweet guy is he? Oh yeah, yeah. I, he's he's really thoughtful, and I've heard him in interviews, and he's just a really, really cool guy. I mean, he's he's a huge music fan too. He's got this massive music collection, and he is like all about promoting people who he found inspirational. Like, he like wants to get their name. It, out it there was surprising too. more to hear that he wasn't a music fan well, because it's not so are, much on all these musicians. No, music it's, fans? It's, no, some, I mean. Yeah, I mean, sure, they they all have ins- influences and stuff, mm-hmm. but I mean that some musicians aren't as interested in getting people to know about the people who came before them, and he really wants. Oh, okay. He he's he likes to really talk about that stuff, and some people, the more self-centered ones, I guess yeah. I could venture to say, I guess, or more, they just want to talk about themselves. Yeah. Right? They want people to think about their music and not think about what maybe influenced them. Right. They want to be seen seen as like. Nobody else is doing what I right, do, you know? right. and he's he clearly admits that he's very influenced by lots of different <laughs> types of people. Um, That's good, no? It's kind of cool. But but he's got this tough guy thing, like Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, yeah, and and the song a little bit, and several other ones. And he just bangs them out, yeah, yeah. But he like, and he's got this. He puts on this tough persona. <laughs> and I don't always find it very convincing, <laughs> and, and it, that's part of the whole like. Putting on an outfit, putting on a you know costume, trying something else on, and a lot of times it's fun. You know, mm-hmm. no, it's totally fun. Like crocodile rocks a little yeah. bit like that. Well, that, that's one of the things that uh, stuck out to me as I was listening to music and, and then seeing him on TV. You know, yeah, there's this yeah. flamboyant dude and sequence and these crazy glasses yeah, yeah. and these sorts of things. And not only not only is like this oddity that's out there putting himself out there but you know he's producing this really fantastic music yeah, and so yeah oh I know it was he's, like an amazing sort of an experience yeah he was he was quite the guy for some and, the, and this is in central Texas man I mean we're cowboys out there right right and he had I'm sure he had tons of fans in Texas yeah. just like anyone oh, yeah, else oh yeah all my know? friends liked him right so it's like just one of those things where he overcomes biases he just makes himself so likable and yeah. in various ways and so Ro- Crocodile, <laughs> Crocodile Rock is also on here. We don't really need to play Crocodile Please Rock, Please not. Do we? That's right with me. Um, okay. that, that's one of those songs where the harpsichord sort of like... What that's we? not a harpsichord. That's a Farfisa organ, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like a... It's an organ that like has it. a very specific sound to it. I don't like it. It's very... Harpsichord is a more acoustic type of... It's a piano that has a very... Plinky sound because yeah, it's, it's just it's super uses special strings. Yeah, uh, I don't think he uses harpsichord. It's a literal harpsichord. Right well, now. maybe I have my nomenclature <laughs> incorrect. Maybe. So, moving on, Goodbye Yellow Road. All right. His double album. It only counts as one album. Still, still counts as one. Just has lots of songs. It's just a lot of songs. It's yeah. like twenty songs. So much good. In stuff some ways, it is his ultimate album. It's like it's certainly his, my favorite among them. It is his peak of everything coming together and working and it's not perfect there are a few bad songs like to make a jerk off in fact do you have it sitting out right there I do yes um, we're gonna look we at have the, the vinyl here we're looking album. at right now I have it's, a, it's really groovy the copy we're holding right now is the one I had I've had since I was about six or seven years old it's very old but it's in great condition <laughs> it's 
Yeah. Not that old. But, you know, this this album right here is is almost worthy of its own uh, freaking podcast. You know, yeah. It's just so good. It's the pinnacle of the kind of thing I was talking about earlier where he's just trying out every genre of music. There are no two songs in a row on that album that sound like they're from the same kind of musical world. Hmm. Most of the time it works, despite my misgivings about that sometimes. Um, most of these songs are really good. Yeah. Well, we, you, you've already shared that you don't really care for Joe Make a Jerk, make off, a jerk off. What are the songs you dislike on here? Um, I'm not a huge fan of Dirty Little Girls. I, I, I don't find that very distinguished. Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine well, how, how it sounds. I will tell you how it sounds because I got it right here. I kind of like the rhythm of it. It has a bit what? of a Benny and the Jets kind of feel it to totally it. totally does, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, when you have Benny and Jets on the same album, you don't need this song. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of Benny and the Jets. Yeah, well, we'll get to that too. Huh? Freaking great song. Yeah. Um, and then he does the thing, I bet you, I bet you. Yeah. <laughs> hasn't had a bath in years is, the, is that what he says yeah uh, that's the whole chorus of the, it's another one of those where it's just like oh come on I like that part though I bet you I bet I like you that that's my son yeah it's okay so then there's a Funeral for a Friend the 10 minute well it's Funeral for a Friend slash Love Lies Bleeding yeah the Funeral for a Friend part is actually not terribly problematic it's just instrumental Kind of creepy organ stuff. You yeah, know, it's almost has a morbid sound. Yeah, to it. Well, well, hence the title. Given the title, right? Yeah, and but it doesn't bother me. I, I don't mind yeah. it. I think it's it's well done for what it is. Yeah. But then, Love Lies Bleeding is such a great song. I just I just love that song. Yeah. And I'll, I'll I, I like the I like the way it transitions the crescendo thing that yeah. happens in it. You know. So here, I've already gone through all the creepy stuff. And we're working our way up to a, to a frenzy, no, uh, to a crescendo, as you said, really, is a good way to put it. Like, here we go. And this part's a little bit cheesier right here, but then the guitar comes in. And yeah, it, uh, yeah. it makes up for it, man. Yeah, it makes time. up for it. I can, I can imagine Eddie Van Halen doing that, you know? <laughs> I think this is one of his most convincing rockers, too, to me. Like, like it just rocks, and I don't think of anybody else. I just think of Elton John rocking out, and yeah. I, I don't feel like he's trying to be anybody else. He's just... Mm. It's one of his best moments as just just him rocking it. I love that. And I, I, I was telling Eric before that... Uh, this is one of my favorite songs to sing along to because I know every lyric to this. Oh, yeah. Are <laughs> you going to do this in the karaoke? I, I will do this in karaoke if they have it. I yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, like, surely they'll have that. If they do, I'm, I'm singing right. it. I would sing it right now. But <laughs> I don't think that's what we're here for. So. <laughs> so. Our fans will be waiting for the next podcast. Yes. If you want to hear me sing, let, let us know and I'll... I don't know why you would, but... 
Oh, we all want to hear you sing, man. And I kind of like, you know, the, the two songs, two parts of the song don't really seem closely cool. tied together, but I like how Funeral for a Friend and Love Lies Bleeding, those themes come together like the death of a love. Mm-hmm. That he says, you know, and Funeral for a Friend. So it, it, it works. I mean, the Funeral for a Friend is very sort of modern. Oh, yeah. Okay, you know, good. Or, and I think that's why it kind of works well together. But then it's followed by Candle in the Wind, which everybody knows oh my God, at this man. point. That's a it's a classic. And I, I have to admit, I was never a big fan of the Princess Diana version when he rewrote the lyrics for I didn't like it either. I listened I, to that and I didn't like it. I thought he should if he wanted to just write a whole new song for her, that'd been great. Yeah. But don't don't take one of your best yeah. ballads and rewrite it. and then and then it became a bigger hit than the original. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, it was, mm. it was like the best selling single. Well, of, better than Princess Possibly the best selling single of all time, I think, because yeah. uh, worldwide. And, and you know, understandably she was well loved and yeah. it was and tragic end and all that. Yeah, stuff. and he was friends with her, and you know yeah. that, that I think played into that a lot. But the original version, I think, it's such a moving song. It's um, so lovely, and it, I think it really it captures what is sad about Marilyn Monroe very well. You know, and, and after having listened to all these songs, I I think you know you might disagree with me, but I, I think this might be the definitive song for Elton John. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I would say the same, but I definitely would not disagree with that yeah. you know what I mean so I, I can see that as, uh, yeah. that's a very valid a very very uh, it's up there it's, it's definitely up there uh, one of his most just definitive Elton John songs and I think it's a dramatic song but it's it's still kind of Pulled back. I don't think it like goes over the top. Mm-hmm. It, it could have been like pushed just a little farther and just become like this kind of schmaltzy thing. But yeah, I think they're just on this side of that dividing yeah. line, you know. And and, and, he, and he walked that line. Yeah, so I think he walked well. line really well here. Yeah, and, and it's such a loving song. It's really yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. it's clear that Bernie Taupin in this case yeah. uh, was. Truly appreciated Marilyn for more than just her her stardom, you know. And I, I think the guitar, piano interplay in this works mm-hmm. really well too. Mm-hmm. It's part of what works. And so you you dig Benny and the Jets? I do. Yeah. Do you? Are you? I I do. I do. Yeah. I, I, you know. It was uh, one of my favorite Elton John songs. For I, I, I was telling you, Enzo was was in here when I was listening to all these albums. Oftentimes, and and he didn't particularly care for this, I, if I remember correctly. And uh, this caught me kind of off guard, man. I thought it was like, who doesn't like Benny? Uh, I know, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's play a little bit since we're on the subject. And you know what this song is? It reminds me of a, there's a there was a movie called Aloha Bobby and Rose that came out, and this is when I was not familiar. Junior high. Wow. And it was about the time this the song came out, also. Mm-mm. And uh, not if you're in junior high. Well, it was it, it was oh. somewhere in that era, you know. Young, I was young. Okay. And uh, and this was in the movie, and I remember, I, I I just the only reason I remember the movie is because the song was in there, and this was a particular scene that something yeah. really terrible happened, I guess, and it really stuck with me. Yeah, I mean, well, that, that's. I love when I love when that happens in movies. Like there's there's the use of a song is so good or so 
crucial to the movie somehow. Yeah, like, it defines the movie. Sort of. Pretty much, like pretty much, and like, this movie is is yeah. the. I don't know how the rest of that movie was quality wise, but um, I'm not familiar with that. But oh, uh, it like, was it was it was like around the world success. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, like almost famous. I think a great movie anyway. But yeah, Tiny Dancer good. is a very moment that everybody remembers in that movie. Yeah. Um, and there, there are quite a few other uh, movies like that, I think. But uh, the thing I like about this, uh, not the thing, the, one of the things, um, the whole live setting is all yeah. made up. That's all pretend. Is That's it really? Like, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I didn't know that. I knew it was, but then yeah. I was thinking, you know, what if I was wrong about that? You know. Uh-huh. I, so I looked it up, and it was, in fact, it was recorded without all that stuff, in which you know, makes sense. So they added in the... Gus Dudgeon, the yeah. producer... He did all that. After Is that the right? Fact. He he added in, <laughs> and some of it's actually from Elton John concerts. Yeah, like some of like the live crowd stuff, um, and he added heavy reverb to get all that kind of like big concert hall feeling. Yeah, um, and apparently Elton John fought very hard not to have this released as a single. He didn't like it. He didn't, or maybe he didn't dislike it, but he didn't think it was yeah. single worthy. And in, in its but present it form, became, as we're listening to yeah, it, as we're listening yeah. to it, even yeah, I, I think I, I think they, uh, Davy Johnstone or, or somebody is quite as saying that at the end of the recording of the song, before that stuff was added on, they just thought, oh, what a weird song this is. Like, and I guess maybe without all the effects, I, I'd be interested to hear what it sounds like without that <laughs> stuff. But I haven't seen a demo version of it yeah. like that. I'm sure it probably exists somewhere. Um, you know, and and just that. Right there, a, a, a second before uh, switching to the, a second before that, yeah. there's that piano play that goes back and forth. It seems like yeah. that doesn't sound like music. Almost, it sounds almost like he's just pounding on the freaking keyboard of the piano. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the good things about this is because his live show is becoming such a big thing. He was such an energized performer, and I think this really was kind of a. I think one of the reasons it was so popular is it really supported that whole thing. It's like mm-hmm. it was just a good way of demonstrating. Although, yeah. even though it wasn't a live recording, it, I think that really works well for it. It works super well for and it. And it's kind of a, it's, it's a tribute to David Bowie. Is it? Um, yeah, be, Benny in the song is a woman, uh-huh. you because know, she's got electric boots and a mohair suit. Yeah, 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 okay. Uh, but it's a very, if you, the picture is a very androgynous woman, mm-hmm. much like, and it could be David Bowie for, you know, for right, you know, right. or somebody like that, and very glam rock you know and I, I think that was basically what the song was written in tribute to is that kind of a thing oh, interesting um, and I think the way it's recorded definitely underscores that too so. well when I was listening to it I was thinking it'd be a great karaoke song but then I at the end of the song man it hit those Benny no I just couldn't do that <laughs> I, I, I don't want to subject anybody to that <laughs> for me I'm pretty proud of my falsetto really and uh, yeah he does that this song and Crocodile Rock, there's that mm-hmm. part. Nah, 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 nah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> I cannot. That's even higher than that. Um, yes, you're right, though. It'd be very hard to sing that if you were not a. I, I think it would take a. Adapted falsetto. I, I think all my listeners would have to have a lot of alcohol in order to. Or earplugs. <laughs> or earplugs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think you should try it. So I think we should we should try to move through some songs in this album here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, not every one of them is deserving necessarily of comment, but I do want to talk about "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road" right. because when that came out, and I, it's another one like "Rocket Man" that I very distinctly remember that song, and I think it was one of the songs that made me want this album. Yeah. 
you know that and Benny and the Jets. And I I think if I had to pick one ultimate Benny uh, <laughs> Elton John song, yeah. like the one that really defines him as a singer musician, "Goodbye Elbert Road" is perfect Elton John. Arguably so. I'm going to yeah. play a little bit of it just to please. It has that the piano. His singing on this I think is fantastic too. The singing is really great on there. Man. And just that melody, it's. I know. I, I again, as a child, I found it very, very mysterious in a way because I trying to figure out what it meant, but it felt important. You know, it just felt yeah. dramatic to me. And what'd you come up with? I don't know. I still yeah. don't know. And really, actually, if you listen to the lyrics, this Bernie makes no sense at all. I was just reading it. And it's like it's like no idea what the song's about. Can you can you sing it? Can you sing it? <laughs> All right, oh, baby. Ah. <laughs> I can give us a lot. Yeah, this is a um, great, great song for sure. It man. sounds like it's about something important, but what it really is, I don't know. I have no idea. Like hmm. horny back towed. <laughs> That's another. It's one of the, the, when he messes up the word. It's one sense. of those mispronunciations of his that's always bugged me just a little bit, even though I love the song. <laughs> Toad. Toad. He's trying to make it rhyme with the previous yeah. uh, thing. Road. But you know, road comes next, so he could oh, have yeah, said yeah. it Toad and had it rhyme with road. But he was doing this road, so he couldn't <laughs> rhyme with that because he's going off on this like thing. So he had rhymed with the previous <laughs> thing, which was plow. I'm going back to my plan. Hunting the horny back. Anyway, but I love the song, and uh, I think it's I think it's one of his prime moments. The next else? the next one worth mentioning is I think what you liked a lot, the ballad of Danny Bailey. Oh my God, what a great which tune! Was, Would you please play a hint play a little that? bit of that? It's a it's kind of about an Al Capone era gangster. <clears throat> Portrayed in the photo by Bernie Token himself. Was that him? Yeah. With some I just really love what he does with his voice in here. Yeah, yeah. His singing on this is really good. Super and awesome. I think the instrumentation is really, really good. Yeah. Like. And we we both agree that. One of the best moments is when he sings uh, Dillinger's Dead. Yeah. As. Well, leave this on until we get to that part here. And just the way that. I don't know what the word is for that melodic swoop downward to the next line, but. Here it goes. Right here. Um, so that that is indeed a great song. Yeah, I dig uh, it. I also all the girls love Alice is also one of the better liked songs on this album, critically acclaimed songs. Yeah. Album. About again, not portraying somebody in such a great light, a woman in such a great light. It's, it's about a lesbian prostitute. It, well, in the photo, the the, the mm-hmm. illustration shows two elderly women who are uh, in the company of this lovely young. Blonde, blonde uh, prostitute. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it very cl- makes it very clear in the lyrics that that's what this is about. Um, 
It's a pretty good rocking tune, though. Your sister can't twist, but she can rock and roll. Is a great, quick ditty. It's kind of a crocodile rockish kind of song. It's totally crocodile rock. Yeah. Revisited, yeah. Uh, and then, well, one of the things I love is the the transition from that song to Saturday Night's Alright. Uh-huh. Like uh-huh. sometimes, on an album, one song going to the next, there's like there's an art to that, you know, like yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't always. Not every time you go from one song to another do you expect there to be this great transition. But sometimes there are these two put together that are clearly done with that in mind and I think this is one of those moments okay so the way it ends leading to the next song just just listen to this yeah it's such a great transition transition. just the right amount of space between them and then it goes Damn, hey, there were some backup vocals there. Were there was that other, the other band members? Yeah, that, that's something you don't hear very much in Elton John because no. frequently he accompanies himself. Yeah, he, he double tracks his voice a lot of the time. I'm gonna pause that for a second. Uh, he frequently double tracks his voice, so you get two Eltons. Yeah, rather than actual harmony singers, but occasionally the band will back him up on like that mm-hmm. and uh, a few other songs. Well, uh, yeah, that's musically appropriate for that because yeah. uh, it's like the '50s soon. Yeah, know? yeah. And uh, and then Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting is a classic yeah. song. I mean, that's it's a great, great song, I think. And sort of a tribute to the Stones more than anything mm-hmm. the way a Stones song would be either. It's so. a fun song. It is. It's it super fun. And that's like his ultimate tough guy persona I wonder song, if that's yeah. singable. Maybe do karaoke. Uh, kind of hard on the, the voice. I've, I've, yeah. I've done it. Not, not karaoke, but in the car. Everybody's ears. <laughs> yeah. That too. Saturday. Yeah, that whole yeah, part. You I mean, just, you like, got, scream, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you gotta scream. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we have uh, Roy Rogers, which I like a lot. I think it's a really good ballad. Yeah, Roy Rogers is writing. To and me. you know, it, it kind of sticks out to me. And, and not to say I don't like it, but it kind of sticks out to me as a filler song. A, a bit, but it's a, one of his better filler songs. Yeah. I think it's yeah, uh, I kind of a country and western ish song, appropriately enough. Cowboy TV star. Roy mm-hmm, Rogers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. movies actually more than TV but uh, I think it's got a really good melody it's a little on the slow side maybe but you know then the next song Social Disease not one of his better ones it's got it's got some good moments yeah I, I can't um, even like, place the tune man genuine example of a social disease but Harmony is a great song Harmony, Harmony song. to me feels like a Billy Joel song like, it's like Kind of like what Billy no, Joel totally aspires to. Billy Joel, you're right. Yeah. In fact, I, I think Billy Joel might be able to do that better. Uh, don't ever say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not a Billy Joel fan at all. Although I will say. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me you really you, you've outed Billy me Joel. as Billy Joel hater. Um, <laughs> most Billy Joel stuff I, I can't stand. Yeah. But I do love Only the Good Die Young. Great song. That is a fun Great song. song. That's, that's his best, by far his best moment. Big Shot's okay too. Um, but Harmony is totally. Uh, Billy Joel could have had a hit with this if Elton John did not. I like Billy Joel. As a human being, I don't The Stranger is such a great album. 
what's on that? Actually, that, that got I an think, eye roll from Dave. Okay, he got an eye roll. Yes, he did. Um, but I should also add that I think that's the one Village album, album I actually own. Because, uh-huh. because I, I, uh-huh. I do like some of the songs on that album. <laughs> what, what else is on there? What, what's what, what the... Oh, there's the... Is that the Italian... The Italian season, restaurant? The Italian, yeah, yeah, that's a great tune, okay. dude. Very pretentious title, though. I just hate the title. Oh, Just the Way You Are, isn't that on there? Yeah, I don't really care for that. That's much. so sappy. Yeah, it's sappy. But there are some... There are a few couple chicks do good, though. I guess. Not any chicks I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that's who you'll hang out with. I know ones who have better taste in music than that, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> uh, but that's uh, just me. Maybe it's just a sentiment. Thing. Okay, uh, we should try to move along oh, yeah, yeah, quickly because we, we have a lot so a bit to get through here. Well, we got Caribou. Caribou, we can kind of skip through pretty quickly. Well, there's, there's a couple songs. Bitches on Back there. is a great song. Yeah. Do you not like it so much? I, I like it okay. It's, I it's think another it's, one of those out of his character sort of songs. Well, it's Mr. Tough Guy again, yeah. but. Um, but I think it's a good, good rocking tune. It's it's not quite as good as Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, but mm-hmm. I think it's in that vein. And it's yeah. the rest of the album. Again, this is another situation where I didn't like it very much prior to this exercise we have done over the past week. But I um, grew to appreciate it more. Oh. There's some songs in there, and one of the things that I that kind of tipped me in that way was reading the Robert Christgau yeah. uh, review of it. Where he actually gives it better review. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking of the wrong album. I'm thinking of Rock of the Westies. But no, no, on this though, on, on Caribou. Yeah. The overall album, I don't think he gives a great review. But he says he loves Solar Prestige Agamon, which is that one of the songs? Yes. It's the one that is nothing but nonsense lyrics. <laughs> Did you not, not catch on that one? No. Well, and I think what he likes about it, which is a, kind of an interesting way to see it. He agrees with me that Bernie Taupin's lyrics frequently don't mean anything. Yeah. I think he likes this one because it comes right out and doesn't try to mean anything. And it, it, it just kind of emphasizes that Elton John could take anything and make a good song. Make it sound it. good. Yeah. So here, here's... I'll play a little bit of it. So play a little bit and then read whatever lyrics that are oh, associated that with that. would be... This part... A little annoying. Yeah, can, can we move past this? <laughs> it, it doesn't last very long. Don't worry. <laughs> let, let me get the lyrics there. Here. How are you right there? Would you grab that Captain Fantastic album too? Oh yeah. Here's where it gets a little better. Now let's just listen to the lyrics. Skip past this yeah. so fast. Well, here, let me, let me read you those lyrics. Though. It's it's worth. Oh, ma cameo molesting. Kipa a porter for tea. Solar prestige agamon. Lantern or turbert pa qui. <laughs> what? And then the, the, the well, catchier it, it, part goes Solar prestige agamon. Cool, ka, cool car kiri ke samon. Hair ring molasses abounding. Common lap kitsch sergeant. Is uh, it not even speaking language. English? No, it's not even any language. It's just nonsense words, literally. It, I don't know. It's either the worst song in his catalog or the funniest song. 
and it's catchy part of it that that middle part's pretty catchy but it's like you know i i don't agree that it's enjoyable to listen to but his appreciation uh, robert Crisco's appreciation for that song made me reconsider more of the album in a different light and i as I re-listened to it, some of the other songs kind of stood out as being better than I had given them credit hmm. for. Still, it doesn't make me want to listen to it most of the time. There's uh, the the best song on it. What, what do you think is the best song on it? Do you have? A, you oh well, it if, we're, if we're talking the hits, it'd be "Don't Let the Sun yeah. Go Down." Yeah, that's and that's a great song, I think. But George Michael kind of ruined it for me. Oh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Like I don't. Covered, I don't. Uh, he covered it and. I hate George. Well, I don't hate George. I don't like George. Yeah. But I love the piano on this. The piano is fantastic for sure. And the mood of the song is very dramatic. I think his singing actually on this is really good too. Oh man, you got all kinds of scratches in these records. Do it. I don't have any big scratches. They they would just make. Well, his. That one, pop. I played a lot. So. Okay, we don't need to hear it anymore. This, everybody knows this song. Alright, so now we arrive at Captain Fantastic. And the, the Brown Dirt 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 Cowboy, yeah. Which I think, if I had to pick one album that worked best as a, on the whole, it's this one. Was that right? It's, it's, a, it's a concept album. Uh-huh. And did you figure out, or do you know what the whole album's about I mean I guess I don't it's a complete every song is about their early years as struggling songwriters children all the way up through it's about Bernie and Elton they're they've known each other since they were kids uh-huh. and it's about their friendship and their, their their rise to success every song is some aspect of that of oh, their no lives oh no kidding yes and That's I think interesting. It, and I think it features some of Bernie's best writing overall because he's writing about himself finally mm-hmm. it's like it's really him and Elton and he's not writing for Elton anymore he's writing for them you know and I think the lyrics just come together to really mean something finally the first song Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dark Cowboy is such an incredible song that, that is one of my favorite songs by and Elton that, sure. that is the one song that kind of encapsulates the whole album really mm-hmm. because if you listen he's Captain Fantastic is Elton John Brown Dark Cowboy is Bernie and it's a bio- completely autobiographical song. It's again, for some reason, it's one of those songs that over the years has always moved, choked me up. And, huh. I, and I think part of that is my own personal remembrances of that time in my life. Not that I was sad at the time in my life, but just kind of it, it kind of makes you very nostalgic. Very nostalgic. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, I get that for my childhood. Yeah, because it brings back very specific, you know, just a time and a place for me, and it it just. So that's my own personal take on it. So, but part of that is the beauty of the the guitar in the song. It's just one of their best songs. It's. What you whip out of? I, I certainly. A note or two of that one. I think it doesn't get much better than this for Elton John. The guitar's really great in this. Yeah. And I think his singing. Maybe yeah. Is, although I've said that for a few songs, I think I think yeah. on this song, I just love. I love everything about this song. I love how it starts rocking midway, like the, the incorporation of the, yeah, the rock parts. Yeah, banging really. on the drums in there somewhere. Uh, like the guitar, yeah. yeah. You know, the voice is really exemplified in here. Really yeah. well, isn't it? Just someone is 
So he's just, just back there, just a couple kids, you know, living in poverty. And and I think for me, like, like well, when you know what this is about, or just when you listen to it in that context, mm-hmm. it's it's very. Very moving, I think. You know, well, you know, like, uh, you've inspired me. I'm gonna have to give this whole album yeah. and listen just to listen. Yeah, in I, I could sort of run through the songs and tell you what each one is kind of like. Yeah. T- what what aspect it's targeting of their ears, but um, you know, and it doesn't work perfectly as a concept album. I and mean, there are a couple songs that I think are a little weaker. Like some Elton's song melodies on this are a bit maudlin. You know, you know what I mean? I don't know what you mean. Kind of... Uh, kind of... I don't have to find the word more. I just know it when I hear it. Uh, <laughs> kind of like... Uh, little little of the depressing... Like, oh my gosh, I don't... I, I'm having trouble really putting this into words. But, uh-huh. Um... And it may just be a combination of the lyrics and the music at certain times. Um, like, on in the context of this album, everything I think works really well. Mm-hmm. But out of the context of the album, certain songs don't stand as yeah. very well on their own. Yeah, yeah. But when you that. listen to it all the way through, it works great as a, on the whole. I think right. it's like a as a as a whole piece. The whole album just works really well. And actually, Chris Gow. Also makes a point about Someone Save My Life Tonight, which was a big hit. Yeah. On that. Great song. Beautiful. One of his best ballads, I think. Oh, here. Mm-hmm. Just the way it just... I dig that. just comes yeah. right in there. It's just like, there's no big lead up to it. It just... But it works so well. It mm-hmm. in. And then it goes back to the acoustic again in a few moments. And I also love the way it suddenly picks up even more right here. Throwing in the towel too many times. Mm-hmm. Just suddenly, it even goes into overdrive. Like it was already rocking, and now it's like just they did something. They amped it, just, up, even it, more, it yeah. up even more. It's just very subtle, but it really. Hmm. Uh, I love when groups can do that really smoothly and just kind of that without you even noticing exactly how that happened. It's and then it comes back to this like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It comes back to this again, then it goes back to the rocking thing, and it stays rocking for the rest of the thing, and it just kind of fades out. But then, actually, the last few moments it goes back to the acoustic again. But, uh, anyway, I, I love this one. One of my favorite songs of all time, actually. I would probably venture to say, um, and I'm a. It, it would make a list of mine. I don't know yeah. what number it'd be, but it'd be up there somewhere. It's up there. Yeah. yeah right. Just every every little yeah. every little melodic turn in it. I just love it all. So. Um, and then. Uh, would, would, would I be asking too much to skip on down to someone save my life? Not sure. Or do you want to play something? No, the other ones: uh, Tower of Babel and Bitterfingers. Oh, Bitterfingers is about writing songs when you're not feeling inspired you know like oh, it's hard to write a song with bitter fingers is the uh. chorus you know uh, Tower of Babel I think is like feeling like you're churning out hit songs from like a songwriting factory sort of mm-hmm. um, uh, but someone saved my life tonight I think 
You've heard the story how Elton John tried to commit suicide, right? I, uh, if I'd heard it, there I was a time prior to his stardom that he stuck his head in an oven and tried to kill himself by was that right? Turning on the gas, and he did not succeed, as you may have guessed. Thankfully, <laughs> I think this is a bit of a reference to that. I'm not sure if it's completely directly about that. Yeah, um, is this an urban tale? Is this like bona fide really happened? Oh, it really happened. Yeah, it's, it is a fact. He went through a very sad point in his life and I think it sort of means Bernie a little bit but I think it also means just like music because he says thank god my music's still yeah 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 yeah. so I think he realizes it's a big mistake and he still he still has the music and now he can focus on that and uh, I think it's one of his most it it, it, it's another one where like it wouldn't have taken much to push this into schmaltziness and and I, I suspect for some people it is schmaltzy but it doesn't feel that way to me. It just feels really. Do you need a tissue? I need a tissue. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely true. Like this is definitely one of those ones. Like I said, there's a handful of Elton John songs that inexplicably, not not always inexplicably, but they just they, they get me. You know? <laughs> and in the right mood, this one just gets me too. I think it's just a beautiful melody. And, and again, another you know exemplifies this freaking great yeah. voice. Man. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. This whole part right here, like, yeah. and then the way it just goes, doo, 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 doo. yeah, and just the the drums kind of kick in there, and that is a nice transition. It doesn't do it here, does it? On the next next time, iteration. Sugar beer. Even I can like that sugar beer thing for some reason. <laughs> you almost had your hex with me. What he does with his voice right there is really cool. Roped in time. Yeah. And it seems like he keeps going higher and higher, and you don't think he can get it. But he keeps moving up a notch. It's kind of, it's kind of that rock thing we were just talking about, but it's like with his voice. It's just. I think he's still singing at the same level, but somehow he makes it seem like he keeps getting higher and higher. Like and then later on the song, man, he like really. Hits well, it yeah, up there. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But Chris Gow made a point about this. I was gonna say before yeah. that it's a great, great song on its own, and it was a single, it was a big hit. But in the context of listening to it with the rest of the album it's even better is that right yeah if you just if you get to this song by listening to the rest of the side uh, I think it's the end of side one yeah is that right yeah if you get get to it by listening to the rest of the side it just has that much more impact and and it's it's a logical extension of everything that's come before it just uh, like dark side of the moon sort of thing kind of I guess it's like in the context so what else on the album do you like well um gotta get a meal gotta ticket gotta get a meal ticket yeah well like, let me flip back here for a second tarot table Like, like I said, every song on here just kind of works really well 
in the context of the album. So I think they're all great that way. Well, thinking of it that way is is, is going to be different for me. It's not uh, typical that an album, at least in my experience, is meant to be listened to as a as a thing. It's not like albums aren't typically concept albums. This this one uh, being one of the exceptions. Well, no, I no. mean in in the word in. Not concept, but I think there's so many albums that are meant to be listened to. All together. Yeah. Like, you know, in the 60s, early 60s, albums were collections of singles. Beatles changed that. They made albums works of art in themselves. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I think if you're not listening to them that way, you're missing out on a lot. Yeah. And and I, I'm not saying criticize you. I'm just saying I, I, I wish you would take, you should take more time to listen D- to albums. Dave is wagging his finger at me right I'm, now. I'm just like, for emphasis, <laughs> I'm not wagging it. I'm pointing it. I'm saying. <laughs> Um, this is a meal ticket. This is going. Um, right, well, the reason I, I say that is, you know, I, it's my nature to just listen to an album and pick out songs skip that songs. I like. Right. You know, and some songs, some albums don't stand up to like listening to all that. And I this mean, one, this one doesn't. To me, like listening to the songs individually. Uh, there's a couple songs on here that you know, if, if like better off dead doesn't really feel to me at all. I don't really care for that song too much. This one takes a little more getting used to. It, it's <laughs> um, it's a little more theatrical. Uh-huh. It's a little more uh, yeah. No, I, I can understand that. Which so what I'm saying is not that you're gonna love every song yeah. just because you're listening to the whole album. But so many albums by great artists are meant to be listened to like beginning to end. You know, they're just. They have a flow to them. They, mm-hmm. They're 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 sequenced in a way that they're the reason that one song follows yeah, the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's usually very well, very, very thought out. You know, just, yeah. Yeah. Again, not every album benefits from that as much as others, but personally, I, I just think I think this one deserves your your time listening to it. Well, I, 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 you can skip better off dead, and you probably won't miss much. But <laughs> if, if that's if that's your really sticking point. Well, if you if you want to try and decipher my right in here, I made a note right here. Let's do that. Okay, album. good. Okay. <laughs> like the high points will really become even right. higher points. Let's put it that way. Overall, a great album. But like any Elton John album, not perfect. But as much as any album of his does, it comes. Well, the Hunky Chateau is off of this. I don't know. Whatever. Rock of the Westies. The final album that we... We, we kind of touched on that some already. We did. And, uh, Island Girl, the Mainly the songs. Island Girl offensiveness. No, I mean, Island Girl's catchy, you know, whatever. It, it just, it's it's way too poppy. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it as a kid. Yeah. And, you know, it still sounds good. But there really isn't much on this album that I find of much value. Except uh, Street Kids is a pretty good song. Yeah, I'm going to tell you a little bit of that. Totally out of character. Well, it sounds like an Eric Clapton song. It sounds like Derek totally, yeah. like Layla. Yeah. Do 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 do. Like, if you took this as the baseline for the album and like made everything this good or better, it'd be a really good album. <laughs> Instead, this is the peak of the album, and everything. Else uh, is, yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like I think it's a good song. 
I, I, it's got a, it's good, he's singing well, it's got a pretty cool riff there. But yeah, I, I, I don't listen to Elton John to listen to this sort of thing. <laughs> what? I, I don't. No, yeah, no. I mean, I, 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 I agree. I, I wouldn't yeah. never go out of my way to hear that song. Yeah. Well, that's the end of our album list. Do we have any other? So, in, in summary, to touch on you know, I, I think, I think we both agreed that uh, if we were to pick a song that was optimal for Elton John, it would come from Yellow Brick Road. We disagree on which song, but uh, yeah. But Yellow Brick Road is probably definitive the statement album, yeah. of Elton John. I think it, I think that album on the whole captures him, his persona, his what he's about mm-hmm. probably better than any other. And it's cool to know that uh, that is an era of his discography that uh, is when he was at his best. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, w- I would not have been able to say that. Yeah, but it makes sense. To I, me. I think it's the peak of his peak. Yeah. I think it really just it brings it all together, and he was at the height of his powers. Is I think yeah. how I he was super human. Man. I think if there's one album that somebody should have, Elton John, it's probably that, that one. one. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd lobby with that. Also, and you, well, you get twice as many songs out of yeah. the deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a double album. If you want true <laughs> consistency in the height of all of that era go for the first greatest hits album because greatest hits albums serve a good purpose sometimes yeah so the first greatest hits album you're saying the first greatest hits that came out in right before has everything up through Goodbye Yelvick Road on it I don't think it has anything after that well you know there are some pretty good songs after that but none that uh, strike me as like favorites for me one thing I wanted to touch on was that during this period of his the height of his thing he was also in demand to sing on other people's songs or to you know release songs mm-hmm. for people and uh, a couple of his biggest hits were with other people like that for instance uh, for instance uh, <coughs> this is Stevie Wonder too. this is a huge hit it was I think it was his number one song actually at the time Oh yeah! I love what Elton does to the song. It's like it's just. I suspect who is this? He wrote Neil Sedaka. Ah. Uh, he was making a comeback at that time because he was a big hit back in the early, like the fifth, late fifties, yeah. early sixties. But this was like a comeback song for him, obviously. <laughs> I love that chorus. Um, I have such soft spot for this song. I just like, <laughs> let me tell you now. He didn't say it there, but he does it. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, uh, this is a, also a big hit. I bet you haven't thought about this one for a while. Ready? See how long it takes you to name the other person. Right. Oh man, let's tell it. 
Elton and John Lennon, yeah, this is a big hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is considered a John Lennon song. Yeah. It was on one of his albums, and but. But it really features Elton in a way that feels like an Elton John song. Too. Yeah. It's like definitely a great. Probably feels more like an Elton John song with John Lennon singing it. I would say that. Like the style is definitely more Elton yeah. than Lennon. You know? I love this song. This is one of those when I was a kid, I just I couldn't get into this song. Too. So, I think this does this bring us to the end of our. I uh, I believe it does. I think we've talked a we, uh, lot. We we touched on blue blue moves already. And I think we have pretty much made made a good case for this being the prime years. Yeah. That that we wanted to focus on. And yeah, good choice. Uh, you get the credit uh, for that, brother. I think Elton gets the credit for that. Oh, so. listen to you, so humble. <laughs> <laughs> oh go on it wasn't me <laughs> I don't deserve any of this but you're too kind um, <laughs> alright 